0: I'm, I'm Tom and this is Sandy, just in case you wondered which, who was who. Um, we're glad to be here. Thank you very much. Um, the older we get, the simpler things we get for us. You know, I, when I was a young believer in the 70s, it was just very complicated, and we just made things more complicated. We just added layers and layers on stuff. And um, the Lord's been gracious over many years to continue to just strip the stuff away so that pretty much everything in life is either done out of love or fear. I I, I can't find exceptions to that. you look about anything we think, anything we do, it's either fear of the voice or we work out of love and there's power in love. Um, so, Sandy and I have been um, teaching, training, counseling, preaching together for over 20 years. And uh, we still like one another, and we still, we still agree to do this, so that's, that's a good thing. Um, we, we are in the marketplace. We recently, six months ago, moved from Highlands Ranch out to Elizabeth. And uh, it's just been a long-time dream. We, we bought a, some property out there and have our horses with us now at the same place. And um, it's a love. don't
1: get to live in the house yet. No. <laughs> yet.
0: Yeah, she keeps wanting to bring them up on the porch. And uh, I just think that's not, it's not such a good idea yet, but... Um,
1: but two years ago, he said, we're not ever moving to the country, we're not ever having horses or animals, God and I just kept talking about that. God said, I'll take care of it. Here we are.
0: <laughs> so we, have a, we have a small um, real estate company. It's called Transformation Realty. And uh, there, there's five of us in that company. And we've just dedicated it to expanding the kingdom. We just use real estate to do that. And we, real estate's a great way to be in people's lives and help them through significant transition in their lives. Um, And it's been really fun, and it's getting funner all the time um, because we just keep releasing it more and more to the Lord. And we just find out the the less control we actually acknowledge that we don't have, that God does more things. And it's it's a really wonderful thing.
1: The other thing that we um, have the honor of doing is um, through actually a series of unplanned dismounts. Any of you horse people know what that means? means you fell off your horse. Um, I had a couple of those, and during that time, um, God led me to really investigate equine-assisted learning, not equine therapy, um, not therapeutic riding, but actually partnering with God's creation in the horse to help people get breakthrough. And so we have our own place now where we can have teams and groups and couples, and I've even told Paula, you ought to bring the church out and do like a picnic or something this summer. Um, and so God is showing up in creation in a new and very majestic and healing way, and that's very exciting. We, we, we learn as much or more maybe than anybody that we bring out there, and we learn from our horses every day. So they're amazing creatures. That's a different topic for another time because I could go on a long time about how cool that is. So
0: so it, it's 6 o'clock, and so, so was somebody kind of cue us when it's like 5 till 7 to make sure we're done on time? Uh, How about 25 after 6? Will somebody watch their watch so I don't have to? Thank you. Well, no, well, five minutes. Will you do that? Oh, thank you very much.
1: Good. Time us. All right, well. We might be here all night. Unless the Holy Spirit wants us here all night. Otherwise, we're getting done at
0: 625. (laughs) Uh, Let me uh, start by looking at Luke chapter 4, verses 16 to 18. And it reads like this. He... Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went to the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. It's interesting, out of all the scrolls that they would have, they handed him the scroll of Isaiah and he leafed through it, found the right place where it was written and he, he read this, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus came, I believe, to put on display the love of the Father and to demonstrate everything that he came to show us that we could do. When he he left, he said, greater things are you going to do. Now, I I don't get all bound up with what those things are. I don't care. I'll just do some of the things he did, and I'll be a happy camper. But everything he did was to display to us and demonstrate to us, you can do this too. I'm inviting you into these things. You're not, not called to be a bystander. You're not called to be a second string or sit on the bench and wait. Everybody gets to be on the field at the same time, to play in the same game. Um, He has called each of us to do the things that he did Why don't you tell us a story
1: So I love stories in fact, I on a 31 day streak of telling stories if you want to read some of them you can find me at Sandra Corrigan on Facebook and um, the stories have been really healing and freeing for me because I just decided I was going to tell the truth about things in my life and the way that God intersected those And I've been amazed at what's happened and the responses from people. Um, About three years ago, um, in February, my mom was in her last days. And my mom had always loved God and had been kind of afraid of God. And had really, um, in fact, some of you that we went to church with probably met her at one time. She was one of the most curious people that I know in life. She took a writing class in her 80s. She just was a learner, and she wanted to learn about things. And we were in the hospital with her, and she was having a lot of anxiety, like just tremendous anxiety. And Tom and I were there, and we started to ask her questions, and, you know, it was just one of those moments where, as soon as we started asking questions, the, the power of the Holy Spirit just filled the room. We just felt the tangible presence of the Lord. And we asked her about her belief because she had voiced to us that she was afraid to die. She was afraid to go to heaven. And even though she knew God and had accepted Jesus, there was just still an obstacle there for her. And so as we began to pray for her and love her, Tom actually said to her, we're gonna pray that you have a word from God or a dream or a vision or something like that so that you can know from God himself. So we went home that night and we came back the next morning and she looked like a totally different person. I mean, she looked 20 years younger. She didn't have any anxiety. She had slept really well, and she couldn't wait for us to get there because she said, I had the most incredible dream last night. She said, I dreamt I went to heaven, and I had a job. (laughs) And she loved to work, you know, raised six kids and worked. And she said, my job was in the nursery. I was the one that God chose to take care of all the babies that weren't born yet, that were aborted, that died prematurely. It was my job to take care of them, and she loved kids. And it was just the coolest thing of any dream she could have. We knew that dream was right from heaven. And the reason I love that, I mean, it's such a cool thing for me and my mom to have shared that, and I will share with you that I had an abortion. And I said to her, in fact, I made Tom go out of the room, and um, I said, Mom, I said, would you hold that baby? Would you tell him I'm coming someday? I said, I named him Benji. I don't even know if it was a boy. (laughs) And she said, I know you told me that story, and I said, I did. (laughs) She said, a long time ago. But besides that sweet moment for us, it was such a confirmation that God knows how to take away every fear every single one no matter how old we are and I think for me you know I'm just Tom and I are just ordinary people out there in the world raising our kids and grandkids and working and trying to be awake and aware of the invitation of God every day of our lives to bring the kingdom in every conversation text email zoom call that's just what we want to do is we want to help people get free We want to help set the captives free. I'm supposed to read now, so i got to put on my glasses. Because it says in Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery we're called to walk in freedom and, and even as I'm talking I hope that maybe you can identify like do you have a fear about something is there something that when you play the what if game the what if is not positive what if I get sick what if this happens to this person because God calls us to play the what if game in all of the amazing possibilities of the promises of God And so I hope tonight, like if we're going to pray later, if you have one, I would love to pray away. I would love to partner with you and God to pray away that fear for you. Whatever it is, even if it seems really tiny. God is here tonight, and my sense is he wants all of us to get free of something.
0: We we have to see ourselves as partners with the Holy Spirit. We weren't meant to do this alone. He told the disciples... Terry here for a while until I released the Holy Spirit to you. Um, he knew they needed it. How much more do we need it today? They walked with Jesus. Um, so, our reliance and par- partnership with the Holy Spirit is so important. Um, and he He's continually inviting us into circumstances that He is previous to and has set us up to walk into. Good works that we are to walk into. Right? Um, A short while back, we had some visitors from actually from other countries with us, and we were heading somewhere. And we had our job was to stop at Safeway and pick up a few things en en route. And um, so we just got our stuff and we're zooming through and and pick the shortest line, and uh, we're just chatting away, waiting in line. And uh, my friend said, So is Safeway a local, you know? Grocery stores are part of the chain, so I was trying to explain to him. I said, actually, it's pretty big, and um, it has other names. And by this time, we're now at, at you know at the, the cashier. And then she chimes in. She goes, yeah, it's called City Market or something, whatever it's called in the mountains. And um, she goes, in fact, I, I was supposed to go up and become head cashier in, in the store in Aspen. But then when I went up there, and she's checking us out while she's telling us this story. Um, when I went up there, I c- came down with this weird skin thing, and now I don't know whether I'm going to get the job. I went, oh, slow down. Something else is going on here. I mean, we didn't even invite her to share her story, and she is, it's right in our face. So I said, how does that make you feel? She goes, I'm really sad about it. So ah, I understand that. I think I'd be sad too. It sounds like you really wanted that job. Yeah. Uh, this woman, um, everything she's all in black, real heavy dark makeup, lots of piercings and tattoos everywhere. Um, so she, she's not the kind of person I would just strike up a conversation with. And I don't know why. It's just my bias in life. Um, but the the Lord. Moved, I said, give, give me your hand, and she said, what? I said, give me your hand. I put my hand out, she put her hand in me, in mine, and I, I just broke the power of the sin off of her, and I said, Lord, would you at least hope to your daughter again, let her know how great your affection is for her, and she yanked her hand back. She said, you shocked me. I said, yes, I did, because I didn't even know what she was talking about, whether it was just the words or she felt some, some kind of power. And I said, God bless you. It was nice to meet you. And we grabbed our stuff because we were, we were heading to this meeting. But it was just the Holy Spirit had set, it, set us up. If I had not been paying attention and continue my conversation and know that we had to get out to the car to get someplace, I would have missed that place to, to intersect that woman's life and bring heaven to touch her life for just that instance. When we're f- living in the truth and walking in freedom, we're free from judgments, our own and other people's. We're free from the stuff of the past, all of our woundedness, and we've all been wounded. And unfortunately, I've been around plenty of people who like to rehearse their wounds and the fact they'd rather stay in their woundedness than get free because freedom can actually be a little scary. At least I know this pain, and it's predictable. I've lived with it for years. Um, And so sometimes we need to to invite them and be careful with them and woo them into a place where at least they'll open themselves up for a moment to the affection and love of God.
1: So I told you about coming off my horse a couple of different times, and I have to tell you um, that I didn't break anything But the soft tissue damage that I did in my ribs and my lower back was the most painful accident that I'd ever had in my life. Because at 60-some years old, I just don't bounce like I did off a horse when I was 10. I just don't bounce at all. What I didn't realize, though, was the fear piece that now started to kind of take hold in my mind. And this love that I've had for horses my whole life, um, I realized, I was so afraid that I wasn't sure that I could continue in that passion. So Tom and I had decided that we would get certified in this modality of healing. And we went down to Austin, Texas for a weekend with a woman who does faith-based assisted coaching or learning. And the first um, exercise we did, it was this beautiful ranch, and it was kind of fun foggy and misty in the morning and we went to this pasture where, where there were all these horses and there were babies and everyone went to the gate and I stopped at the gate and I just started weeping and shaking and I couldn't go in I couldn't go in with the horses everybody else went in and I walked up and down the pasture thinking what is the matter with me you know I just felt tormented And at one point, God just showed up and said, I'm going to walk in there with you. I know you're afraid. I know you think something maybe could happen, but I am going to be with you. And if you don't go in there, it's going to take way longer for you to get over this than if you trust me. And so they were just about to shut the gate. And I said, wait, wait, I'm coming in. And I came in, it was a big pasture, and I kind of stood off in the corner. Everybody else was like sitting down, and the horses were like coming up to them, and they were petting them, and I just stayed in the perimeter. And God said, it's me and you, and we're going to take our time, and I'm going to go before you. And I just want you to trust me every step. I just want you to listen to what I'm going to tell you to do because I'm going to help you overcome this fear. And I wish I had the picture. I wish I could bring the picture because at one point I stood in the pasture and the two babies came up, one on each side. And I have a picture like this. And those babies came up and they each put their nose, like, put your hand up, Lori. Like right in my hand and God just said it's me I just want you to feel me I want you to feel that I'm here I want you to feel that I'm restoring what was broken
0: we are really privileged we spent a day this past week with Paul Young uh, the author of *The Shack*, and uh, a lot of people don't know—I didn't know—that he's written a number of books since then, as well. And he is a simple, brilliant mind, and he really messed with my theology. Um, you know, if you're familiar with the book, maybe mess with some of yours as well. He's gone; he's been attacked for years, and his family's been attacked and ostracized, and. Um, Because he was audacious enough to portray, um, you know, Father God as a large black woman. Um, I I hope someday you get to sit in a room with him. Um, Because now I understand why he did all that. Um, And he invited us to consider and to think very differently about a number of things. Um, and again, it was just to simplify and stop adding layers to our faith. In fact, I've had to rethink a couple of theological points I've kind of pinned my life around. Um, but he just never crammed anything down our throats. He just said, Live in today's grace, because that's all we have. And understand that the Father is previous. He's always working ahead of us. And then the Holy Spirit's inviting us then to be his partner in the world and to put God on display around us, no matter where we are. It doesn't have to be in big places or small. It's just wherever we find ourselves because he's always there working ahead of us. And he says that the Holy Spirit really likes to make us look good, Um, which, which comforted me. He went on to say that um, he, he talked about his book and the incredible story of taking that book that he wrote, actually, because he was broke. He was so broke he couldn't find buy, buy his children any Christmas gifts, so he wrote he this. He was
1: working three jobs, yeah, and he work. didn't have any money, so he wrote this for his wife and his kids.
0: Right, and uh, he pulled what money they had, and they went to Kinko's and printed off several copies and spiral-bound them. And he, he actually made several additional copies and gave them out to his friends for Christmas gifts as well. Well, they got passed around and then passed around and passed around and ended up in other people's you know, hands. And they pulled some money together with him and he made a run of books that sold very quickly and then 1,000 more and then 10,000 more and then 20,000 more. Um, and, and on and on it went. And then after he hit on 100,000 books in sales, all the publishers who rejected him and ignored him all start coming around going, we'd like to offer you a distribution agreement. Um, a lot of people don't know that when you write a book, if you, if you sell 7,500 copies, you're up in the upper echelon. You know, these guys who sell a million copies are just, you know, they're the top 1%. Um, and
1: so because Tom once sold 50,000 books last night as we're getting ready for bed, he goes, I'm really something, aren't I? And I'm like, yeah, Hollywood probably is going to be calling any minute for that book you wrote on community. <laughs> we just got to tell on each other Thank once you very in a while. Much.
0: Thanks. Yeah. <laughs>
1: You are really something, Thank Dave. you, dear. <laughs> you are. I love you. You wouldn't even have to sell books for me to feel like <laughs> that.
0: <laughs> She's my agent. Um, <laughs> anyways, he, he said that at, at that point, then they did want to make a movie because it was such a giant success. Um, over the tenure of that, that book, there's, he sold over 100 million copies of that book around, around the world. Which is really significant. I don't think John Grisham's done that, right? Um, I'm going add living here because the Lord said, like, run down this, this road. So anyways, let me get to the point of the story. Um, he signed all creative rights when he gave the manuscript away. and he was warned by all his friends saying, "You can't do that. What are you going to do?" And he said, You're gonna lose all control of the outcome of the book. He goes, I never wanted control. I I didn't start this whole thing. I never intended to write a book. It was a gift for my kids. It's this is on God. And and he made this statement. He said, A bad outcome initiated by the Holy Spirit is on God, it's not on me. And I thought, well, there's freedom in that. I don't have to be concerned about whether I say the right thing when I'm, I'm encountering somebody, whether or not you like me for what I got to say tonight. I didn't, I didn't ask to do this. Holy Spirit set this up, so it's on him. You know? In fact, he it, said,
1: if a bad movie services, if, if the movie was bad, it wasn't, but if it was, if a bad movie would serve the purposes of God, I'm okay with that. I'm like, wow, is that contrary to the world's thinking about success?
0: I love this. Uh, I just felt, you know, discovered recently in the last few months the Passion Translation. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but in, in some verses, it just explodes them and brings them open and adds life. And um, it's just the passion, passion Translation of Titus 3, 5 to 7. is beautiful. It says, Jesus came to save us not because of any virtuous deed that we have done, but only because of his extravagant mercy. He saved us, resurrecting us through the washing of rebirth. We are made completely new by the Holy Spirit, whom he splashed over us richly by Jesus the Messiah, our life giver. So as a gift of his love, and since we are faultless, Hang on to that word for a second. Since we are faultless, innocent before his face, we can now become heirs of all things. Not some things, not just a, a few things, but all things, all because of an overflowing hope of eternal life. So, you know, a couple of words on there jumped out on me. And since we are faultless... I'm going, well, you must be talking about Bob or somebody else because I I don't fit in that category. But that's what he says about me because that's the way he sees me, and that's the truth of what he's proclaimed about me. When I accepted Christ, I've I've got a new nature. I don't have that sin nature, and my old sin nature keeps creeping in. Sometimes I drag it back in. But he says, "I, I am faultless before him. And he's inviting me to learn to live as that faultless person. All right. So.
1: So one of the things that um, was brought to our attention during this workshop is the verse that says that the Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh. It doesn't say the Holy Spirit was poured out on only the believers. It said that the Holy Spirit was poured out on everyone. So I'm going to ask you to um, close your eyes, and I won't come up and doing it, and do anything funny to you. Neither will your neighbor. But I want you to think of somebody in your life, or at work, or family, or hobby, that feels far away from you, like you don't have the best relationship. You know, maybe you don't have a fence, maybe you do, but it's just not an intimate, close friendship. And just kind of nod your head when you've got somebody. So if the Holy Spirit is poured out on all flesh, then I believe that God wants to show you the gold in that person tonight. Because any of us can find the dirt. That's easy. So Lord, I just ask as we sit here tonight that you would point out the gold in the person that came to mind for each of us. What is it that you say, God, about that person? Maybe it's a word or a picture or just a feeling. And when you have it, just open your eyes up. Anybody willing to be brave enough to share what you saw? You don't have to name the person. I mean, we want to protect protect you and the confidence, Bob. So the invitation from God is always relationship. Thank you. Anybody else? You know, I'm going to hand you the mic because I think this is being recorded. I'm sorry I didn't do that. Hopefully you talked loud enough, but
0: Hmm. Um, we were in Santa Fe this last weekend, and we were at the flea market, and there was on the table was this. um, Ore from uh, a copper ore from Michigan, and God showed me that I'm in their life to polish it so people can see it's not just a big blob rock, you know, that the that, that, that precious metal will come out and shine. Thank you. Awesome.
1: Um, in this writing prompt uh, group that I'm in, one day it was uh, suggested to us that we. Uh, select someone and uh, portray or write about their character. And the guy that does the writing prompt always does kind of a, he goes first and he writes. And so he ranted about this young mom in Starbucks that had a child that was just bugging her to death and screaming at her and wanting the pop donuts, right? And she was just on her phone ignoring him. And he was just going on and on about what, how irritating that was and that, you know, why couldn't she take this child out, and he has kids too, and that he finally left. And he said, so you can write about something like that, someone's character. So then he made all this stuff up about her character. And, and so he said, you know, you can write about something like that, or you can you know choose any aspect. And I was just like, wow, that was like finding the dirt, man. You know, you didn't go over and help her, find the gold. So I was like, oh, then I had to repent for my judgment around his writing before I started writing and said, well, I want to write about the character of somebody I really admire. And when I first moved to Colorado and I had gone through divorce and my life was a mess and I came here with my car and my clothes and I was pretty much homeless and trying to get my kids here and get back on my feet, I got a job at a training and publishing company, and there was a woman there named Mavis. And she was my champion. She was just this person who saw me. And she saw past all the mess of all that stuff, because I had a whole entourage of cases of baggage. And she just loved me. And we, we just formed this great relationship. And we have continued to be in contact. She was at our wedding with her husband, celebrating us and our new life, 6 almost 16 years ago now. Wow. And she moved away to South Dakota, but we've just kept in touch. And so I post my stories on Facebook. And normally, I will run past a story like, don't worry, I'm not going to write a story about you. Right, I'm, I'm afraid all my friends and family are going to start to worry. Like with my kids, I'm like, can I write a story? I'll let you see it first. Because it's always positive and honoring. That's the way I want to be. And, but this time I thought, I'm not going to run it past her. I'm going to surprise her. And I asked God to point out the gold specifically. Give me the words that will speak the gold to her heart. And I wrote this thing on Facebook, and then I texted her right after it. She must have sent me three texts. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Like, that is the most honoring thing anyone's ever done. And this is what she said. The thing that hit me most was that you saw me. Nobody else at that time in my life, Sandy, saw me. And I was her boss. And she said, you saw me. I think the world wants to be seen, right? Right? And so guess what? We get to be the ambassadors of seeing the Holy Spirit poured out on all flesh. Can we start to ask God, give me a perspective that is different from the one that I'm seeing right now. Give me something greater about the people I honor and change my perspective. Show me the gold around the people that I'm having trouble seeing it in.
0: We live in a culture today. I'm sure you're aware that uh, being vulnerable or transparency not at all promoted. Uh, we have reality shows where people live these false fronts and uh, we bring, thank you, we bring our stuff out, sorry dude, um, And but people do want to be seen, but they want to be seen and held in honor and be safe when they're seen. Nobody wants to be outed, right? Um, but the Lord is the, the most gracious and kind and gentle when he invites people to be seen. And we, we don't have, as we've displayed, we don't have to do anything big, outlandish. We're not well-trained just to walk up to people and say, I you know, whatever, whatever you know, the Lord's put on us. It's just a matter of being comfortable with him and trusting him. You know, the, the, the mystery of relationship is trust. Um, and as long as we can trust him, and I find on a regular basis, Lord, I just don't know if I can trust you with that. Um, I don't know if you ever struggle with that or not, but um, I, I was at, there's a, a place in Kiowa called Elbert County Coalition. It's a store um, where they resell uh, donated goods, and they put the money into a fund to help people pay for utilities and groceries and people who are you know, on, on the outs for a while. Um, and it's run by just wonderful people. And we were there in December um, dropping off some stuff um, and had a short conversation with the people who ran it. And so when we walked back in this time, um, we had a number of boxes. And she goes, I, I know you. I said, do you? I said, well, I remember you, too. She goes, no, I know you. I said, okay, well, thanks. Uh, here, I'll put this box here. i will get another
1: box. Said <laughs> a good thing? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I didn't want to inquire. Well, You've been poking around in my history or what? Um, so I, we were all done, and she said, can you come out here on the porch? I said, sure. She goes, would you pray for my husband? I said, sure, what's going on? And he told me the situation. And so we're standing on the porch, and there are people walking in and out. And there's especially this one young, young guy, um, he looked a little um, disheveled. He had, he had uh, music on, he had headphones on, and he's walking in and out. And he's walking, as we're praying, he's walking and standing and listening. And the last time, as we got done praying, he just blurts out, I'm not sleeping well at night. I said, "Well, you know, we my age, you never sleep." You know. Um, I said, "Well, that's really unfortunate." I said, "What's going on?" He said, "I have the same terrible dream every night." I said, "Yeah, what's that?" He goes, "I'm walking this line, and Jesus and God—I think it's God—are over here, and over here is a bunch of devils, and they're all yelling at me, and." The line, I keep trying to walk the line. And he said, but then the line gets squiggly and I fall off. And I'm always afraid I'm going to die. I said, you, are you tired of that dream? I'm thinking, okay, Lord, you don't have to hit me in the head with a shovel here. You know? <laughs> I said, you tired of that dream? Well, yeah. I said, you want a different kind of dream? Well, yeah, I think so. I said, come here. I said, hold her hand. I said, I'm going to put my hand on your shoulder. Is that okay with you? I didn't even wait for an answer. I just broke the, this dream. I said that's not from God. God's not the kind of guy who you have to walk the line. He walks the line for you. I said so. You're gonna have a dream tonight that's gonna expose the heart of God for you. I said, will you believe that with me? Well, I'll try. I said, great. I said, what's your name, Mike? I said, Mike. You you come back here? Yeah. I said, you tell her in the next couple of days if you got a new dream, and then I'll check in with her sometime. Well. What did that cost me? Five minutes. Right. It, it, yeah, it cost me five minutes. That's all it cost me. But, and I don't know whether anything changed in that guy's life. It might be a million years from now, you know, or 10,000 years from now in heaven where somebody walks up to me and said, you prayed for Mike. He's my great, 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 great grandfather. And you set in in motion A whole thing where a whole family has been followers of Christ. I I, I don't know, but if I'm going to make up something, I'm going to make up something good, right? (laughs) Um, And I'm not responsible for the outcome. I'm not going to be irresponsible, you know, and just go around pronouncing things over people. It's not hard to find gold and pull it out, or just speak a word of truth into someone's life.
1: In fact, as we kind of wrap up, because I know we're past our time here, but... You know, the world tells us that success is productivity, prosperity, and popularity. But God's definition is wholeness. And it's really contrary, right, to what the world says. And yet, I don't know about you, but I want to walk as a citizen of heaven on earth and beyond. So if I can move past my own fear, if I can move past my own limiting beliefs, if I can move past my own sense of I could be rejected and not worry about the outcome when God has me do something, I can operate in freedom. And that's what we're talking about. And so, you know, we want to give you that opportunity tonight, is to get some more freedom. Anybody got too much freedom? Are you totally free? <laughs> right? Could use a little bit more.
0: So, I just want to talk about a couple of assumptions we base our, our life on. Um,
1: the first one is that God is always good and He is involved in every single little detail, He's like super interested in the smallest of things.
0: Another assumption is that God's always. About the heart of another person. That's all persons.
1: And this is as much about us as it is about the other person.
0: And responding to the nudge of the Holy Spirit brings God's presence.
1: And a bad outcome in our perspective when led by the Holy Spirit is his business not mine, right? What you think about me is none of my business, right? It's not the world's perspective. It's, what do you want, God? What do you want me to do? You want me to look foolish? Okay. Is this a bad outcome? Because I'm only seeing the little puzzle piece right now, but in your hands all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose, and we're going to see the puzzle pieces fit together, and we're going to see that picture someday. You know, we have this picture that Tom ordered from this Egyptian Artist. In fact, you can see it on his phone. And it is this woman who is being embraced by Jesus. You can't see his face, but her face is glorious. My grandson walked in the room. We hung it on the kitchen. He goes, Oh, Gigi. He goes, That's Jesus. Who is that girl? And look at the rainbows. We're supposed to feel like that now.
0: We're supposed to be those arms now.
1: We get to feel like that now. That's
0: right. We do get to. So we're going to move into prayer, but I want to pray with you first. Okay? So uh, assume the position.
1: (laughs) (laughs) However you want.
0: (laughs) I just want to invite you to open your hearts and your hands. And just pray this along with me. Father... Here am I, the one you love, your favorite one. I want to partner with Holy Spirit and set the captives free. Open my eyes and my ears to hear you and to see others as you see them. I'm asking this in Jesus' name, and he always gets what he wants. So, Father, would you ask, would you come and, Lord, would you expose the things that are based in fear that we continue to hang on to? Lord, that even tonight we want to take a step closer to you and invite you into those places so you can set us free because it's for freedom that you came.
1: So we want to pray for you. I'm going to mess with your offering a minute, if you don't mind. I just felt this nudge from the Holy Spirit that um, during dinner tonight, I'm going to ask you to stick that basket somewhere, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to invite you to pray about what the Lord would want you to give tonight. Now, maybe you already did that before you came, and so maybe you'll get that same number, but maybe he'll tell you something different. And we're going to pray about that too together. Tom and I like to do that and write our number down, and often we get the same number. Usually mine's a little higher. I always want to double it. So we'll see. Um, Do you mind? Is that okay? You can say no. Don't mess with my offering. I'm going to, okay. But I just, yeah, I just felt like there was something more to that that maybe even. God might say, no, don't, don't give me that. I know you were going to give me that, but I'm going to ask you to give it somewhere else this week. Or he might say, I want you to double it because I just really trust him with you. So we want to pray, though, for you.
0: So, Father, I thank that you're gracious and kind and generous. We want to partner with you in generosity. And we want to be free, Lord God, with everything free to be able to follow your leading, free in our giving and free in our receiving. And we bless you tonight in Jesus' name.